Welcome to Main Street Banking, a podcast for community bankers brought to you by the Barrett School of Banking and ICBA Securities. My name is Byron Earnhardt, and I'm the Programming Director at Barrett. It is our mission here to serve the community banking industry with information that is informative, relevant, and hopefully we'll have a little fun along the way. So, from Memphis, Tennessee, home of banking, blues, and barbecue, welcome to our little corner of the community banking world. And we hope that we can make your bank, your staff, or maybe just even your day a better one. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Main Street Banking Podcast. Uh, we've got another one of our, what's become, I guess, our podcast traditions um, episodes. Uh, we, we've got uh, Jimmy Sawyers with Sawyers and Jacobs. Uh, Jimmy has been gracious enough to, right about the end of the year, every year, come back and do a little bit different episode than what you normally hear. Rather than one of the top 10 trends looking forward, we're looking at the one he wrote this past time, this time last year and looking back at the year in review going through uh going through his predictions last year and jimmy does a great job with this uh, good sport with it and so we think he's also a member of our faculty very highly rated been doing it for a long time good friend of school and a fellow west tennesseer like yours truly so glad uh, glad to have him on jimmy for those that are new to the show tell us a little bit about yourself and some of the things that are coming up with sawyers and jacobs Thanks, Byron. Well, great, great to be back. Uh, well, Sawyers and Jacobs, you know, we're a boutique consulting firm. We help uh, community-based financial institutions with a lot of tech and cybersecurity issues, from strategic tech planning to cybersecurity assessments and IT audits. So, uh, we stay busy these days, and uh, t- certainly, 2021 has been a record year for us in many ways. So, uh, glad to have so many loyal clients out there, and we're. Grateful to be able to get out and, and help those banks, uh, you know, be better and help help them uh, compete and also, uh, well, at the same time, uh, secure the bank and make sure they're prepared for uh, the cybersecurity risk that's out there. So uh, we've been having a busy time. We've got a great team. They've been on the road a lot, so it's also been good to get back in banks and be meeting with people in person. You know, we're well equipped to do the hybrid and do some of the work offsite or remotely, but it's, it's certainly been great to get back and reconnect with clients and certainly even uh, go to some live events that we've all yes. been uh, missing for a long time. And re- really on that note, too, we've got, speaking of the hybrid, we do have a couple of things coming up that I know you know about. And one is um, we have two live stream events, actually, uh, this year, December 8th and 9th. And so December 8th, uh, in partnership with the Barrett Graduate School of Banking, being our CPE sponsor, we're going to have information security officer education, tips and techniques for ISO success. A lot of banks uh, know that you have to appoint an information security officer that's part of your gram leach Wiley Act compliance, and those information security officers need annual education. And so we've always provided that and appreciate the Barrett Graduate School of Banking working with us on that because we end up helping a lot of banks and help those ISOs prepare for that job that they have to do and in, in keeping the bank secure. So that's December 8th for the live stream event. It will be via Zoom, and that's um, December 8th for the ISO education. December 9th, the following day, we're going to have a cybersecurity summit preparing and protecting your financial institution while managing the risk-reward proposition. And I would highlight the risk-reward proposition. We'll talk about that some today. We want to see banks 
secure, but also not hamstring their ability to compete. So we'll talk a lot about that. So the focus will be on cybersecurity, but in a practical way where banks can continue to provide world-class digital services and have a great customer experience, but also be secure. So it's December 8th and 9th, two live stream events, Information Security Officer Education, the Cybersecurity Summit the following day. You can go to SawyersJacobs.com to register. That's SawyersJacobs.com and register, and uh, hopefully we can see you there. And then uh, save the date. As you know, uh, Byron, save the date coming up, and we're excited about this. Uh, For many years, we've had our annual Bank Tech Summit in conjunction with the Barrett Graduate School of Banking, and we're going to be doing something exciting Uh, In 2022, we're moving this to a spring event, and we're going to have this uh, April 25th through 27th. That's in 2022. So April 25th through 27th, it's going to be a live and in-person event. And this year, we're we're making a move up the river, and we're going to have Bank Tech Summit 2022 at Live by Lowe's in St. Louis. So as you know, our firm opened a St. Louis office in 2021, in June of 2021. That's where I'm coming to you today from our podcast studio here. And we're going to continue the Bank Tech Summit tradition, and we're going to have uh, a lot of hot topics, technology payments and cybersecurity, uh, meet in person with exhibitors and leading tech providers, and then hear the latest and greatest from an all-star lineup of speakers. So we'll have more information coming out on that, but save the date, April 25th through 27th, 2022. Bank Tech Summit, and it is going to be live and in person, and we might just work in a St. Louis Cardinals baseball game since we're going to be right across the street from Bush Stadium. So stay tuned, and that's going to be a fun event. Yeah, I have no doubt you're going to work in a St. Louis Cardinal game, Jimmy, if at all possible. I know you do well. Amen. Uh, Amen. Well, look, and and we'll have the uh, the website and the page direct to the uh, to the events in the show notes and on the show page. Um, it's a really they're they're both all three of them are really great events uh, on the topics. And Jimmy, of course, you know we're extremely happy to be sponsoring. There is one question I had for Bank Tech Summit. Since you're moving it up the river, completely understand. Are you going to dress up as Elvis now? To are you going to dress up for as Elvis and do some Elvis work in some Elvis well, in St. Louis? Well, we always try to, to <laughs> represent Memphis. You know, I, I am an ambassador for Memphis across the nation. <laughs> I, I I start a lot of my presentations to banking groups with you know I am Jimmy Sawyer's and I'm from Memphis, home of the blues, birthplace of rock and roll. So yep. we try to always promote promote Memphis, and I have a, a a deep love and affection not only for Memphis but also for St. Louis. Yeah. my second home, so I'm, I'm back and forth. And as you know, the two cities have a lot in common with uh, good music and good people and lots of fun and good sports towns, too. So, yeah, yeah just uh, love love it back and forth. And uh, I'm sure we'll work in a, a little little Memphis mixed with St. Louis. <laughs> so it'll be du- doubly good. Yeah, no, I'm sure a lot of like, a good Chuck Berry, uh, uh, good Chuck Berry and Elvis possibilities there for you on the music side. Oh, heck, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I guess we I guess we got to get to the content on this. You and I probably could talk barbecue and Memphis and St. Louis and all the kind of stuff. Um, but like we said, this is uh, we go through your predictions that you wrote uh, this time last year and kind of check in and see how the year's gone based on those. So, prediction one for 2021 was digital services acceleration, blast banks business process constipation. How that how that pan Absolutely. out? Well, you know, I, I uh, 
apologize for using the word constipation and any type of uh, you know images that conjured up for people starting off reading my predictions. But I I, I felt it was the appropriate word. You know, I, I like I, I like words and I I like using the appropriate word. And I've been in so many banks that are really struggling to adopt digital services and promote digital services, but their business processes are truly holding them back and truly mm. constipating the whole process. So uh, <laughs> this sounds bad, but we try to be that laxative to kind of get, get that get that going again because it really is uh, hurting a lot of banks. So by the time they get compliance involved and audit and legal and it, so many layers of uh, unnecessary sometimes business processes get laid on that it really stifles the customer experience and stifles the efficiency. So uh, I'm glad to say, you know, a lot of banks have updated their business processes to equal the great technology. I know personally, I have, you know, I started in 2020 probably more, but certainly in 2021, I use DoorDash and Instacart a lot more, right? So uh, as as I said in the prediction, more people are expecting that type of uh, service from their banks, and I think they're seeing it. So I think there's a positive outlook there. Certainly, mobile deposit. A lot of people have upped their game there and are getting uh, more efficient in how they process those or processing them more quickly. That's been very important during the pandemic to be able to offer mobile deposit and have the right business processes in place so one can get that uh, deposit with the same utility that they'd have if they walked into a live teller window. DocuSign and other e-sign technologies, uh, really a lot of that spurred by PPP loans, right? Mm -hmm. That helped a lot of banks uh, improve the customer experience and have better digital services, not only on the lending side, but you know for other forms too, even on the deposit side. Online account opening ticked up a bit. I think, again, business process-wise, that got better. Some of the technology got better. The abandonment rate uh, from customers is getting better. There are still some, you know, solutions out there that aren't up to par, but bankers are uh, learning how to, you know, disengage from those and find some that are working. So, you know, glad to say that the business processes are catching up, you know, and a lot are putting in you know, new technology, especially new digital services, sometimes that maybe are outside the core and that requires you know, some pretty robust APIs. And I'll tell you, sometimes those digital services outside the core can be a bit of a Frankenstein's monster for all these different parts and not really a turnkey solution. So those APIs to the core, uh, while necessary, can be a little problematic sometimes and really tough to achieve the integration. I know a regional bank I deal with, I'm constant, I know they switch to uh, digital new digital services provider and they have a legacy core and it's at least once a week I get some type of error on my mobile banking because they just can't get the two in sync. So mm. I think we're, uh, uh, that, that, that might be a theme we need to have in, in the future is in sync, a little Justin Timberlake Memphis reference there, <laughs> right? right. So we, yeah. we, 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 need, we need to get the digital services in sync, especially with a lot of the legacy cores. And uh, to that end, a lot of the core providers, I'm glad to say, in, in 2021, really upped their game uh, because they had to. So their bankers, the bankers or customers are driving them to say, look, you know, we really want you guys to up your game when it comes to digital services. And that's led to some of those core providers acquiring uh, some of these uh, digital services providers, some of the fintechs. And it's also led to them getting back into R&D and 
doing what they should have been doing all along, and that is mm. create some of these services so these banks can can compete on a level playing field with all that non-bank competition out there and with the fintechs. So I think uh, you know, I'll stick with that prediction. It's always a humbling exercise sometimes if I'm wrong, but I think we have seen the business processes get a lot better, and certainly we've seen more people uh, adopt uh, digital services as, as the year went on. No, I think you're right. Um... And I think maybe to stay with your in sync reference, you know, it sounds like it's time to tell the uh, it's time to tell those tough integrations. Bye bye bye. That's my dad joke for the day. Uh, That's it. my I dad joke it. for I the day. <laughs> All right, uh, prediction. One, you you like that? <laughs> I worked on that I while you're talking. Yeah. So, <laughs> the uh, prediction number two. Uh, I thought this was really good, uh, considering what we've seen in, in really the entire uh, economy. Uh, the mobile workforce demands access and innovation. Yeah, you know, we've been preaching for years. And, of course, you know, our firm, you know, we're in different banks every week. We, we, we're working out of a lot of uh, boardrooms and break rooms, you know, helping our clients. So we've right. been mobile our whole, you know, existence. So we know what it's like to be a road warrior and be able to work from the hotel and from the offsite at the bank. And, and so – the pandemic really drove a lot of banks that had been reluctant to deploy laptops. It made them adopt a mobile workforce strategy, which I was pleased to see. I I can tell you it's still a struggle for some. Uh, I talked about in the prediction of how even last, you know, even in 2020, it was tough even to get laptops because of supply chain breakdowns at the time. Well, those supply chain breakdowns are worse now. So, if you're late to the game on getting laptops and your mobile workforce deployed, then uh, it might be a while. So one of the things I saw that I encourage bankers to take a look at, and and when I say bankers, I'm saying you know a lot of the leadership in the C-suite. If things aren't working, if your laptop or mobile device is not working like you think it should, then question your IT folks. I saw a lot of bad configurations really over-securing, over-using VPN access. I'll give you an example. You know, I'll ask a banker sometimes, like, do you have to sign in to your VPN in order to get your email? And they'll say, well, yeah. And I'll say, it's pretty slow, right? And yeah, it's like molasses in January. It's really slow. And I say, well, you don't have to do that. I mean, you have active sync. So when you get the wireless connection, you should be able to pull up your Outlook client and the email populates. That doesn't require VPN connection to the bank. But some IT groups have made it to where they have to go in with the VPN. So that effectively renders the laptop uh, a useless piece of plastic if unless it is connected via the VPN. So a lot of misconfigurations like that, yes, absolutely, if you're accessing bank and customer resources, we want the VPN. But if I need to just pop this open and work on Excel or Word or you know, read emails, send emails, that does not require VPN connection back to the bank. So we saw some misconfigurations that that really affected productivity. So it's really, uh, I think, too, along those lines, it's time that bankers got back to developing IT talent. And I certainly am a beneficiary of my bank many years ago, putting faith and confidence in me and getting me the right education and sending me to the right seminars. And certainly you guys at Barrett Graduate School of Banking provide this. So 
I want to see more bankers developing, instead of outsourcing everything, I want to see them developing IT talent in their communities. So I want to see community banks hire locally, hire within the community. And, you know, I think that, I'm sorry to say that's probably a novel concept that in the IT area, at least, that we hire local people. But I don't care if you are as outsourced as you can be, you still need boots on the ground. You still need someone there at the bank wearing your jersey that is in charge of your IT operation and can help coordinate even those vendors, even if they're outsourced. So I hope we can see that. I know we do our part. You guys do your part to try to educate and develop that IT talent in banks. But I really want to see a return to that uh, because we're really lacking when it comes to IT knowledge in banks. And that affects productivity and also affects this ability to compete with the mobile workforce. Well, I think your point is excellent, Jimmy, in the uh, in developing local talent, particularly for IT. I was on a call with a bank uh, last week uh, that was interested in doing a podcast, and they were asking me about how I did our music and um, you know, the art, the art or the graphic and the logo <clears throat> and graphic and logo and stuff like that. And I had looked up that bank, uh, their, their market that they were in. And Jimmy, it's a, a small town, small market, but they have a ton of uh, really great music in their area. The uh, fine arts department, their high school is top notch and gotten rewards across the state. They have uh, really outstanding music facilities in there. And I, I made the mention of like, well, I mean, y'all got, I'll be glad to do the music for you. Um, but y'all have talent there. And I'm sure somebody, you know, with all that music, somebody knows how to mix audio, you know, that'd be a great opportunity. And it didn't, that was the first time they thought of it. And any of the, any developed local talent that, uh, that you can get, I think just pays all kind of dividends for the bank down the road. Oh, absolutely. What do we hear all the time from small communities, rural communities, where a lot of our community bank clients are, you know, we're losing our young population. Well, mm. we're losing those people because they have to go elsewhere for good jobs. And so I think it's incumbent upon, you know, community banks to uh, provide those jobs in their community. So I, I want to see more of that. And yeah. I hope we can help a lot of bankers really change that mindset and start doing that because, you know, there are a lot of smart people in small towns that yeah. you know, we want to keep them there because those people that just like the banks are helping people's dreams come true and are stimulating commerce in those towns, uh, you know, being able to employ people and th those people being able to go and buy trucks and washers and dryers locally, sure. then they're, they're going to help, help the economy. So um, it really does have a very positive ripple effect. So I hope we yeah. can get back to that. I agree. I agree. Uh, prediction number three. Video kills the unnecessary meeting. True. And uh, don't we all hate unnecessary meetings? <laughs> Sometimes uh, we, we have, we, you know, I, I always say, you know, uh, uh, me meetings can uh, really, really kill productivity. They're necessary evils sometimes. But I think in, in this case, what we saw carrying over for 2020, you know, when we started the pandemic, there were security concerns about video conferencing security concerns about Zoom and others, but this has evolved now, and we saw it continue to evolve in 2021, and I would have to say, if we have to crown a winner here, uh, it would be Zoom. Yeah. Uh, Zoom uh, Zoom is winning right now. Now, that may change next year. We know how 
you know, one time BlackBerry was winning the smartphone market. So exactly. it changes quickly, but Zoom has really turned out to be the easiest to use uh, for, a, for a lot and has a lot of great features, not as complicated as some of the others. Microsoft Teams has gained ground as yep. more banks put in the whole Teams concept and are using that more. So uh, they're working on it. Uh, the interface is still a little clunky. Mm-hmm. You know, Citrix GoToMeeting has its niche. Uh, Cisco WebEx, you know, not a fan, but it's there. It's been around a long time. There are others. Uh, I, I think something that I mentioned during the uh, during the prediction this this year, and and also I have seen this trend continue. Byron, I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but anecdotally here, I think this is a notable trend. People now turn off their video and make the video call essentially an audio call. Right. So I, I, I understand some of the logic there. I, I always joke. I'm like, look, if I did my hair and makeup today, then I'm going to show my video so everyone else needs right. to show theirs. But, uh, you know, I joke. I joke. But, but it is a little disheartening sometimes when you set up this video call and you're all ready and ready to go, and then everyone starts signing on. You're like, wow, we could have just used the audio conference line mm-hmm. for this. So so I think we're going to start seeing some policies in banks like, okay, folks, everybody, turn your video on. You know, We need to get the full utilization of this great technology so we can see each other, and we can see your smile, and we can see how uh, you're interacting with everyone, how engaged you are. And I, I think uh, – we're all, we all got used to how to conduct those, and I think we're getting better. Mm-hmm. And then as we have more people return to the office, I, I don't think we're going to see usage go down a lot. I think we're going to uh, – a lot of bankers are understanding that, you know, it, we really don't have to go out and buy that uh, overly expensive and complicated video conferencing system. We can use Zoom. We can use Microsoft Teams. And, and I'll tell you this, I didn't get into this in the uh, – and the prediction about video killing the unnecessary meeting. But I will make a comment on this. I know a lot of people have questions regarding video about Jimmy. What about video banking? Mm. And I could be wrong. I could be wrong on this. Okay. But I don't think video banking is going to catch on. And again, why? Very reason that we're talking about right now where people turn off their video, they don't want to be seen. They don't want you to see, you know, someone walking behind them in their home and we saw this, I've used this example several times, we saw this with the Amazon Mayday service. You might say, what, what do you mean the Amazon Mayday service? Exactly, because that was a video, a video service that Amazon was offering where Amy, the you know, pretty redhead lady, would come on like, hey, I'm Amy, how can I help you? And um, it, it was a failure. And so that's why I don't think, uh, and again, buying a specific video banking app, um, I just don't think that's going to make it. One, because I can schedule a call with a customer via Zoom or Microsoft Teams. So specific video banking apps, I'm not so sure they're going to uh, take hold and gain ground and get really uh, the critical mass that they need. Now, again, I I could be wrong, but I I don't think I am given those uh, examples that I I gave earlier. Um, just don't think it's going to happen. No, I agree. Um, I think <clears throat> I think there is a limit, a, a, a some Zoom fatigue that is out there, but I think those that have been able to kind of own it and make it their own and still effectively look face to face is definitely the best way. But to be able to still 
use Zoom to build relationships and to uh, still be in contact and do it the right way. I think it's still a viable, very viable option for, for bankers out there. And Byron, I love technology and I'm sure geekier than most, but (laughs) we have a lot of technology solutions to problems that don't exist. I agree. And so we, we, we have to look at, you know, this is great. This is great technology, but will it be embraced by the masses? Do your customers want this? And all too often, bankers get sold on these tech solutions, and we don't ask the, the question, that fundamental question, are, do our customers demand this? Is this something our customers will embrace? Because often, you know, the flip side of that is, like Henry Ford said one time, you know, if I'd asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. So a lot of times <laughs> we have to e- educate and lead and show customers, hey, this is a great service, like we have over the years with online banking, mobile banking, mobile deposit, you know, uh, digital wallets, all of those things. But I don't think video banking is going to fall into that category as, as a, a necessary service with a lot of utility. So stay tuned. And, and yeah. I, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. No, I don't think you are either. Um, I'm going to jump the next uh, the next prediction into prediction five because it segues a lot easier. We'll jump back to section four to, to prediction four in just a moment. Uh, prediction five was cybersecurity theater is exposed and corrected. I think you were segueing into that one very nicely, Jimmy. So I'm going to go, we'll go to five. Okay. Yeah, and that is especially in the area of cybersecurity. We have a lot of solutions that uh, really aren't doing uh, what they should be doing. They're not uh, living up to their billing as far as reducing cybersecurity risk. So I'd like to report at this time that uh, cybersecurity preparedness in banks has improved, and I believe it has in several, but I'm not so sure it has at the pace uh, we would like to see. There is still uh, too much, you know, like I said, theater. And what I mean by that is a lot of measures that make us feel good or somebody sold us on, oh, you know, this is a really big risk. You need to watch out for this. But uh, a lot of that has created unnecessary overhead instead of real and practical measures to to reduce that cybersecurity risk. And I mentioned excessive phishing testing, you know, in the prediction. And I have seen banks really become more judicious with that because, it's not about the testing. I can tell you from doing cybersecurity work in banks for over 20 years, three to 5% of your people are always going to click. I don't care what you do. Three to 5% of people are always going to click. And guess what? All it takes is one to let the bad guys in. And guess what? Those employees are not ignorant. Those employees are, are not incompetent. I can be tricked. Byron can be tricked. Anybody, the CEO of the bank can be tricked. Anyone can be tricked. The question is always, What are the security measures once they get in the network? How are we detecting? How are we preventing that intrusion? And too many banks focus on, you know, we've got to make sure no one at the bank opens the doors for the bad guy where, I'm sorry to report, that's going to happen. It's going to happen. You're never going to get your your people not clicking on phishing emails. Yes, you need to have awareness, but you need to be prepared Again, that's the theater side of it. The the real substance is what do we do once they're in the network because that's going to happen. So we've uh, we've seen that. And this year, our firm has done more incident response tabletop tests than ever before, where we take a client through 
an, an incident. Okay, you've just been hit with a ransomware attack. What are we going to do? And we take them through conceptually, and also they benefit from us saying, hey, we've been through this with a client bank, and here's what they did. So what would you do? And that's one area where, you know, a lot of banks say, ah, you know, we're never going to pay a ransom. And I'm like, really? And then I'll say, IT folks, how long is it going to take to rebuild the network from scratch? And they're like, oh, Jimmy, it would take a month. I said, exactly. I said, you're going to have the bank closed for a month? I don't think so. Well, we'll just restore from a backup. Well, what if they've been in your network undetected and they have infected and, and rendered your backup systems useless? What do you do then? And, and what the answer is, and what I'm leading them to a lot of times is, you're going to pay the ransom. Exactly. And that goes back, then Then we get the insurance side involved. Do you have cybersecurity insurance that will cover a ransom payment? And a lot of bankers need to take a look at that. So I'd encourage anyone listening today, please go check your insurance, because if it just covers cybersecurity insurance, and it's very vague, and it's going to cover you know, calling a lawyer and a consultant like us to to help you through the process, just going to cover the expense side, that's not adequate these days. And this has really changed in the past year. Your cybersecurity insurance needs to include ransomware attacks, and it also needs to have an amount in there of a ransom payment. I know that is not something we want to talk about. I know the FBI would uh, say don't pay the ransom, but I live in the real world, folks. And I can tell you, if you've got a choice of your bank not being open for a month or you paying the ransom, you're going to pay the ransom. And so be prepared for that, and let's go through those scenarios realistically. And that's one of the things we're going to be looking at at the Cybersecurity Summit on December 9th and again um, at Bank Tech Summit next year, April 25th through 27th. And CEOs have to get involved. You cannot leave this up to a lower-level IT person or someone in compliance, CEOs, you have to get involved and ask those tough questions. Does our ransomware insurance coverage cover a ransom payment? What would we do if this happened to us? And we have to be honest with ourselves. You know, a lot of things in life, we can be really high and mighty and, oh, I wouldn't do this, and here's what I would do, and then guess what? It happens to you. It's a whole different ball game at that point. So I have received those Sunday night calls from a bank that's been hit by ransomware. So I'm telling you from experience, not theory, what happens. And we really need to be more prepared in that area. And I'm hoping that you know we can continue and the Barrett Graduate School of Banking can continue to better prepare banks for that uh, unfortunate uh, incident should it ever happen. But at the same time, we can help them balance that risk-reward proposition so we don't treat the bank like a nuclear facility. You know, I say all the time, you're a service business, not a nuclear facility. It'd be real easy just to lock everything down, but then we wouldn't have any customers and we would go out of business. So it right. really is a balance that has to be struck. Um, Jimmy, I'm sort of as a follow-up to that, <clears throat> I've heard this year um, more talk out of the cybersecurity world um, changing the changing the narrative from if your bank gets hacked to when it when it gets hacked. Uh, are you finding that out in the marketplace that you're in, are more people shifting to that, or is there still a lot of trying to prevent an attack that you know somebody's gonna it, somebody's gonna it's going to happen and we're not but when they're not spending enough time like what you were talking about on the back end once the once the the breach has been made. 
it's it's very complex because you know number one you just don't want to be an easy target right right so it's not it's not just one thing you do with cybersecurity preparedness it's many things it's the layers it's it's a, an effective patch management program it's security awareness for your people it's having 24/7 monitoring of your network for intrusions it's 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 all those pieces working together and that's where a lot of banks are always looking for that you know that one silver bullet that one solution that's going to take care of all your cybersecurity preparedness and it does not exist it requires a very thoughtful comprehensive holistic approach to be truly uh, secure and you know I, I i don't know if i'd go so far saying it's 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 if um it's not if it's when because there you have to prepare for different ones. What if it's a business email compromise? What if it's a ransomware attack? What if, what if it's a brute force attack? You know, Byron, one of the ransomware attacks, this is the other thing too, a lot of bankers don't realize this may be, it may be multiple events. Let's say they get in through a phishing email, but then they uh, go to your debit card system and create fake debit cards or, or do an ATM cash out using that. I mean, there's so many things that can happen where it's, uh, they get in one way, but then what will the true cybersecurity incident be? Will it be ransomware and ATM cash out? Will it be originating ACH credits? Are they going to get into your wire transfer system? So having worked on a lot of these, I can tell you we need to consider all those scenarios and we need to look at our controls to make sure that they're up to speed. And then if those controls fail, how are we insured? So it's multi-layered and that's where you know, if your IT auditors or the people doing your cybersecurity pen testing, if they don't, if they aren't asking the tough questions and helping you look at that, you know, it'd be real easy for me to go into an IT audit and say, "Hey, do you have ransomware coverage in your cybersecurity uh, insurance coverage?" And the bank says, "Yes," and I check the box and move on. Well, that would be to me malpractice. I mean, that that would be no. I need to then ask, okay, let's talk about that coverage. You know, what what's the does it, will it make a ransom payment? Has your board authorized? What, what is it? Is it 100000 Is it 500000 Is it a million? And then what coordination do you have with your insurance company to where you're going to pass the, the ball over to them and they're going to run with it in negotiating with the bad guys on that ransom payment? So it really is uh, multi-layered, and you really need to be having a strong annual at least IT audit and cybersecurity assessment because uh, you know the goalposts keep getting moved by the bad guys and like I say that's why we've seen ransomware trend more in the past year and you know the biggest ransomware attack we saw this year uh, actually it was they didn't get in via phishing email Byron they got in straight through the bank's firewall straight through the VPN client that was left unpatched by the firewall vendor. So mm. there are many ways, while it is most common that, that the bad guys are going to get in maybe through a phishing email, mm -hmm. they're getting in through multiple ways now. So you can't, you know, lock the door, but then have one of your windows open in the back of the bank. We have to really secure the whole bank effectively to make sure that uh, the bad guys, again, back to don't be an easy target. And how do you know you're not an easy target until you have that tested and assessed? And that's what we do in an IT audit and a cybersecurity assessment. So we need to be more thorough in that coverage because better we come in and find those holes than the bad guys find them. And again, that CEO is calling me on a Sunday night saying, Jimmy, we've been hacked. 
they're asking for a $500,000 ransom. What do we do? And, and that's what we're trying to avoid. Get, get, go buy some Bitcoin and, and, and get it, uh, get it to them. <laughs> um, what I always say, Byron, they, they do want the, the payment to come in Bitcoin. But right. one of the things I will, I will tip my hat to the hackers and, and the, the ransom, the ransomware, uh, uh, bad guys is, is they have very efficient payment processing. They will process your payment <laughs> yeah. very quickly. They have great customer service and don't <laughs> worry about buying any bitcoins. They, they have the link right there. You just click and they'll take care of you. So uh, uh, again, tongue in cheek there, but that uh, they do a good job processing those payments because they want their money quickly. Yeah, and I've heard some have like a help desk. Don't they? they have like a customer service help desk. They'll be glad to take your well, call. That's where that's where hopefully your insurance people will be skilled in dealing <laughs> yeah. with those, uh, those 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 fools. And, and that's right. Help, uh, either get your ransom down or um, you know get you out of it in some way. Good most of the time, you're going to be you're going to be paying the ransom. I'm sad to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, going back to prediction four, um, contactless payments demand skyrockets. How do we do there? We are seeing more contactless payments. So, you know, you're seeing tap to pay. So your next debit card or credit card you get might have the little wireless icon on there. And that means you can you know, tap your card at the merchant terminal. And that way you don't have to touch, you know, a screen or buttons. So I think we're seeing more of that. More banks are uh, doing tap to pay, which is uh, good to see. We're also getting more options by phone. I know a few times I've been at uh, you know buying something and maybe they're using Square or something, and I can actually use my Square Cash app right on my phone to to wave or, or to uh, you know scan a QR code or something. So there's been some pretty cool things happening on the phone side too, which I always say as bankers, let's make sure that that card of choice whether it be credit card or debit card that's on that phone, you know, not the physical card, but the digital wallet here, let's make sure that's our card because we don't want to lose that interchange income. And so when we talk about contactless payments, the technology is great, but let's, as bankers, let's talk about that non-interest income. And this is where, you know, we hopefully excel in helping banks and saying, okay, uh, does this technology save you time, make you more efficient, make you money? And I can tell you that contactless payments, having an effective debit card strategy, tracking that, tracking your debit card fraud losses versus uh, your interchange revenue month to month, that's very important. So we're seeing uh, those things. That, you know, the pandemic kind of made us not want to touch things. And like I said, I've always been a germaphobe, but certainly... We uh, saw that more during the pandemic, um, but it's it's funny, Byron. I know I was at a ball game a while back, and they okay, we're totally cashless. You know, we can't use that dirty cash, so let's use the card. And I'm like, okay, good. So you know, we use the card, and we're not touching anything up to a certain point. And then they flip the screen over and say, okay, now you're going to complete the transaction on the screen, and you can choose your tip. And then we need you to sign with your finger. So we go through the whole process here of avoiding 
touching anything until that point, and then we touch the greasy screen. Mm-hmm. And everybody else has had their na- nasty fingers on. <laughs> so right. again, that's back. That's back to that theater. You know, it's like, well, I think it would have probably been cleaner if I just handed you cash, right? So, yeah. so again, we're we're it, it continues to evolve, and I think um, contactless payments should be part of every bank's not only strategic technology plan, but also your strategic business plan from uh, a non-interest income uh, generating standpoint. Well, that wraps up our episode for today. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss out on the latest episode. We'd also appreciate a five-star rating as well, as that will help get the content out to more listeners. We appreciate ICBA Securities for their sponsorship, and if you would like to know more about quality investment products, services, and education at competitive prices, check out their website at icbasecurities.com. And finally, if you don't follow Barrett on our social media platforms, be sure to check us out on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook to stay up to date with all the cool new things that we've got coming up. And as always, from Memphis, Tennessee, the home of banking, blues, and barbecue, thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you have a great day.